Okay, we're going to begin here on the bottom of Lamed Chenemot Bed by the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, person should not put an egg next to a urn full of boiling water in order that the egg should become somewhat soft-boiled, hard-boiled, or have an impact on the egg. And should not, as Rashi says, break it into a cloth of some sort that was heated by the sun. Or there are others that say that you shouldn't wrap it in a cloth that was heated by the sun. On the other hand, Rabbi Yossi Matir, and Rabbi Yossi says it's fine. person cannot submerge the egg into sand or the dust of the ways in order that it should become roasted, that the heat of the sand or the dirt, the dust that's there, should roast the egg. Masse Shasu and Tveria. There was a case in which the people of Tveria, they brought a pipe of cold water into the hot water, the hot springs of Tveria. If you do that on Shabbat, it's the equivalent of water that is heated on Shabbat. And then you would be precluded from both washing with them or drinking them. In Biyom Tov, if it's done on Yom Tov, kechamin shuchmu biyom tov. It's the equivalent of water that is heated on Yom Tov. Basurim berchitza umutarim bishtia. Then there'd be a sewer in bathing in them, but you would be allowed to drink them. Now, as far as what the exact case is here with Anshei Tveria, Tosafot discusses different possibilities of what transpired over here. The first two possibilities that Tosafot entertains involves the water going through the pipe, either with holes, the pipe had holes in it, or a pipe that just had cold water coming into it. And they used the cold water to mix with the hot water in order to temper the heat of the hot springs. And the problem here here is that you are mixing hot and cold water together. In the one case where there are holes in the pipe and you unplug the holes, then you're directly having the cold water go into the hot springs, which would be problematic. In the other instance where the cold water comes out and then you take the cold water, we're afraid that you would mix it with the hot water. That's one possibility of what the problem is. The other option, which is brought by the re, which seems to be the most plausible option, was that the pipe actually went through the chamin, through the hot springs, and came out the other side. The problem with the hot springs is that the water there is sulfuric, so it's not really pleasant necessarily to bathe in it, and it's not the cleanest water or water that you could drink. But they had a pipe of potable water that was not sulfuric, and they passed the pipe through the hot spring. And while the pipe was in the hot spring, the hot spring heated the water that was passing through. Therefore, the water that came out on the other side was either potable water that had been heated, or it was water in which you would bathe because it did not have the sulfur that was associated with the chametz varia, but it benefited from the heating of that water. Now, this is talking about even in a case or an instance where the pipe was put in place before Shabbat, and the water was passing through on Shabbat automatically. Now the Gemara begins. What's the din if someone, if he is mitgalgal on Shabbat? He doesn't cook it fully, but he does accomplish gilgul with this egg. What is that considered to be? That's considered to be a full-fledged isur doraita on Shabbat, the equivalent of cooking. And therefore one would be chayav chatat. We also have a Mishnah that supports that understanding. Anything that went into hot water before Shabbat, then you can put it back into hot water on Shabbat itself. Because when it went into the hot water before Shabbat, Toswat says, It was fully cooked. So it was fully cooked before Shabbat, 
then you can re- put it back into the hot water on Shabbat. Something that was not put into hot water before Shabbat was not fully cooked. Then you can rinse it in hot water on Shabbat. With the exception of some old salted fish, which is the Spanish culios. As Rashi says, it's tonino, it's a tonny fish. Because their rinsing is considered to be the finality of the process in making them edible. And since that's the finality in the process, it's the equivalent of bishul. Bishul accomplishes taking an item that was prior to that not edible and making it edible. So to over here, the rinsing changes this item from being inedible because it was too salty or because of the nature of that fish. Once you've rinsed it off, you've got to rinse in the salt and now it makes it edible. And that's the equivalent of mevashel. And you'd be chayav on Shabbat. So, so too over here by the gilgul of the egg, since that makes the egg edible, therefore it's considered to be bishul on Shabbat, and one would be chayav chatat in that instance. Rashi over here says that kol Shabbat b'chamim is homaluach. That's anything that's salty, that went in before every Shabbat, then you can go back in and soak it on Shabbat. So Rashi keeps it consistent over here. and says that the whole Mishnah is speaking about tikkun. The whole Mishnah is speaking about items that don't necessarily get cooked fully by a flame, but rather we're talking about items that need a processing, rinsing, or some sort of soaking in order to bring them through the final stage to be edible. Whereas Rashi later on in the Masechta and Kuf Mehem and Bed says that means that it was actually cooked. Now Tosavot over here asks an interesting question with regards to if it was cooked before Shabbat, I understand why you can bring it back into the hot water on Shabbat, because we have a principle in Bishulach or Bishul. Something can't be cooked twice. It can only be cooked once. When you try to cook it again, you're not doing anything. You're not changing the item in any way. On the other hand, where it wasn't in hot water before Shabbat, then you're allowed to pour hot water on it on Shabbat. Why is that the case? Now, we have different kelim, which we're going to deal with here in the Masechta, which is that there is a kli, an item that was on the fire, that's called a kli rishon, sha'alaish, or gabeish. You can have a kli rishon, shuhusar minaish. Kli rishon is the utensil on which was on the fire, but now it's been taken off the fire. And then if you pour the contents of that item into another keli, into another utensil, that utensil becomes a kli sheni. In general, we believe that a kli sheni cannot be bashel. A kli sheni cannot cook, except for what we call kalea bishul. We're going to get to all of this through the Masechta. But in general, cliche is not able to be cooked. So over here, it says that if the item was not cooked in hot water before Shabbat, you can pour hot water onto it. Now, what hot water are we speaking about? Are we talking about hot water that's in a cleary shown? In a utensil that was once on the fire, has that been removed, you pour from that? Or are we talking about irui cliche from a second kli, and then you're pouring it on? It happens to be, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, there's a machloket in the Baliyat Tosafot, as to whether when you pour hot water from a Kli Rishon, what is the status of that water? Machloket as to whether it has the status of Kli Rishon or Kli Sheni. And Tosavot asks, according to the one who says it has the status of Kli Rishon, then what's the difference? You don't soak it in the water. If you pour the hot water on it, why is that allowed? So Tosavot says, according to the one who says that when you pour out of a Kli Rishon, that's considered to be like a Kli Sheni Mishnah here, makes sense. According to the Mandamar, the Rebbein Tam, who says... Then when you pour out of a Kli Rishon, it has a din of a Kli Rishon. Then over here, when we're saying you're pouring the water out of the Kli, it has to be coming out of a Kli Sheni. Now the truth is, why do you have to have it poured out of a Kli Sheni? You could stick it straight into a Kli Sheni, because we just said that Kli Sheni is not Mivashel. The answer is, the Omeri, Tafil Kli Sheni ain't Shorin, you're not a soak it, it's the water still hot, it looks like you're cooking. We won't let you soak it in the water if you haven't done that prior to Shabbat, even if it's a Kli Sheni, which doesn't cook, because it's Mechzei Kimavashel, it looks like you're cooking. 
On the other hand, we will let you pour the water out of a klisheni, even though it has a status of klisheni, it's not mechze kimivashel. So it's actually not clear from here when we're pouring the water, we're pouring it out of a klishon or a klisheni. The Gemara continues, should not break the egg onto a cloth. What are we about the Mishnah? You're allowed to put a tavshil into a boar, into a pit, so that it will stay warm. Or you can put potable water inside of non-drinkable water in order to preserve it. In order that it stays cold or cool. You're allowed to put cold water out in the sun. In order that they get hot. So, let's say that that Mishnah has to be authored by Rabbi because over there it says that you're allowed to do all these items to the water. And here in our Mishnah, it sounds like you can't do these items. The Lord Rabbonon, and not the Rabbonon, who in our Mishnah say you can't put it onto this cloth that was heated by the sun. Amrav Nachman, there are actually four different ways to cook. The Mishnah that we just cited, cooking water in the sun, Nobody thinks it's a problem. If you cook something directly into the sun, that's not a problem with Shabbat, because the cooking by the sun is not problematic. It's only through a flame. Nobody's going to mix it up that you cooked it in the sun, therefore you can cook it on the stove or the oven. The todota or something that's a derivative of fire, kuliyamalopligi dasur. Everybody agrees that that is considered to be a sur. If an object is heated up by a fire, and then afterwards you want to cook in that item, for instance, you heat up a frying pan, and then afterwards you drop or you crack an egg into that frying pan, that is considered to be a sewer according to everyone, including Rabbi Yossi. Keep lige, Where do they argue? They argue in in a derivative of the sun. So again, if you cook in fire, clearly it's problematic. Cook in the sun, everybody agrees it's okay. If you cook in a derivative of fire, everybody agrees that's problematic as well. Because todot or anything that's a derivative of the fire is considered to be like regular bishol on Shabbat. So their machlok, it revolves around the one issue, which is todot achama. Todot achama is a derivative of the sun. The sun heats an object. What is the status of that object? Now truthfully, in Torah, there's no problem here. Again, we said before, if it's cooked in the sun, no problem. And the same should be true of a derivative of the sun, it shouldn't be a problem. On the other hand, by ur, when it's cooked in the fire, or a todoto, or a derivative of the fire, we said there it's problematic according to everyone. The question here is by todoto chama, whether we have a gzeira or not. Marsavar, gazerin, and todoto chama, tu todoto, or the chachamim believe that we are gozer, a derivative of the sun, to a derivative of the flame. If you have a hot pan, it's not clear how the pan got hot. It's not clear if you got it from the sun, or if a person heated it up through a flame. So someone sees you throwing an egg into a hot pan, they don't know whether you heated it through the sun or they heated it through the flame, and therefore they're going to come to make a mistake and think it's okay to cook with things that are derivatives of fire. Marsever Logos reading Rabbi says, we're not gozer in that case. So the machlok in the Mishnah is about this particular case. The Mishnah about heating it up in the sun, that's everybody. That's Divya Ko, Rabbi and the Chachamim. Everybody agrees to that. Talking about cooking, whether it's in a fire or anything that's a derivative of fire, everyone agrees it's a sewer. Only question is in our Mishnah, we have a derivative of the sun. This cloth that was heated by the sun, what is the status with regards to this cloth? So everybody agrees, Bina Torah, it's mutar. Question is, are we gozer? Chamim say we're gozer this cloth, because if you take an object that's heated by the sun and an object that's heated by fire, they're indiscernible. You can't tell how each one got heated. Therefore, people come to make a mistake that if we allow you to do something in Toldoto Chama, you can also do in Toldoto Or, which is clearly a sewer. And the other hand, Rabbi Yossi says that we distinguish between them, and Toldoto Chama is mutar, and that's why he says, in the case of the Mishnah, that Loif Kenem Sudrim, Rabbi Matir. Now the Gemara moves on to the next part of the Mishnah, which is, You cannot submerge it into the sand. 
How come Rabbi Yossi doesn't argue when it comes to the sand? Now, if he argued in the first case, we said the reason he's arguing is because it's Todot it's a derivative of the sun. Sand is also heated by the sun, so why should it be a problem to cook or submerge the egg into the sand in order that it roasts? So, Rabbah Mark Zer It's too close to looking like you're submerging something inside of remits, inside of ashes or hot coals. And we saw before in the Sechda, we're afraid that Shema Yechateh. Because of that, you might come to stoke the remits and try to force the cooking to happen faster. So therefore, by chol, even though it's a derivative of the sun, nevertheless, Rabbi Yossi is going to agree that it's problematic because it's too close, or it looks too similar to remits, which we know is problematic. Problem is that he's moving the sand from its placement. Rashi claims the problem is chofer guma, that you're actually digging out a hole. In order to place the egg in, you're going to dig a hole and place the egg inside of it. Tosafot, on the other hand, believes that the problem here, according to Rabbeinu Tam, the problem of mukse, that the sand is mukse. In order to submerge the egg, you're going to have to move the sand in order to allow it to cook. And that's a problem of tiltul mukse. My benayu, what's an afkamina between these two opinions? We're dealing with very loose earth, very loose dirt. But there Rashi says that there's no problem of being meziz. Because it's softer, you're not going to move it. You can't be chofer guma in there. Nothing stays. If you dig a hole, it all collapses inward. So there is no chofer guma in this case, according to Rashi. On the other hand, in terms of remets, it still has the same problem. It still looks like remets. It still has a similarity to remets, and therefore we're not going to let you do it. Tosafot, on the other hand, will explain that it's igbenawa farti cholach, because since it's soft, you won't have to move it. Because the egg submerges easily without any movement. And therefore, you won't have a problem of mukse on Shabbat. So, meitve, Rabbi Shimon Question, Rabbi Shimon says, Megalgalim You can roast or create a soft-boiled or hard-boiled egg on a hot roof. But you may not do it on top of hot line. And the difference being that cooking it on the roof is considered to be toldota chama, whereas cooking it in the lime is considered to be toldota or. And we said before that toldota chama is permissible, whereas toldota or is not permissible. I understand why when you do it on the roof, there's no problem, because the roof is not like remits. The hole, the sand is like remits, but the roof is not, and that's why over here Rabbi Shimon Gomil says it's fine to... Cook the egg on top of the roof. According to one who says that the problem here, either according to Rashi, is Kofir Guma, or according to Tosvot, Tiltul Muksa, Ligzor. We should also make a Gzera over here, because even if there's no Afar on top of the roof at this point in time, you should be Gozer onto a case where there is Afar. This is a normal circumstance, and this is the normal way that people conduct things, even though in this particular circumstance there's no Afar up there, that should not preclude us from making a Gzera in this instance. So why don't we make a Gzera over here? Right, says, Tam Afar. A normal roof doesn't have Afar on it. If it doesn't have an Afar on it, then there's no Hashash to worry about Meziz Mimkomo. So this idea of having to move the earth or dig a chofer aguma is only happens when you have earth under you or dirt that you're digging into. But on a roof, you don't have that. So that's not going to afford you the opportunity to be in violation. Tashma. Ma'asish asu anshei tveria ve'viyu silon shotsunein l'toch amash al-chamin. Our Mishnah. Bishlom alamad amagzer shemiyatmin b'remetz ha'inu didamilat mono. What was the problem here in the Mishnah? The latter after Mishnah, they bring the case of tveria to support... Both Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim in the latter half of the Mishnah, which says that they both agree that when it comes to Chol, that it's a sewer. And just like by Chol that it's a sewer, so too, in Tiveria, putting the pipe through the water is a sewer. Because what's the problem by sand? Well, according to Rabbo, 
It's Gezeru Shemi Yatmin Beremet. It's a problem about mono submerging the item into a heat source that insulates it. So that's a problem for the Chol, but it's also the problem here by Enchei Tveria. They're taking a pipe that's surrounded by hot water through the Chamei Tveria. According to one who says, the problem here is either a problem of Mukse or Chofer Guma. What does it have to do with the case that's brought at the end of the Mishnah with Enchei Tveria? Michael Amema. It says, You think that the Maseh with Enchei Tveria is coming to reflect on the latter half of the Mishnah to say, when Rabbi Yosef agrees the Chachamim by sand, that that is also true about Anshei Tveria? No. Areshakai, it's going on the first half of the Mishnah where Rabbi Yosef and the Chachamim argue. So, lo yifkene b'sudrin, don't break the egg into the cloth, Rabbi Yosef matir. Vachi gamar lei Rabbonah and the Rabbi Yosef, and then the Rabbonah question Rabbi Yosef and say, is that really true? Hamaseh Anshei Tveria, the todot hachamahu. The hot springs of Tveria are derivative of the sun, and the reason they're considered to be todot hachamai is because they believe that the sun passed underneath the earth at night. It heated the water from underneath. By heating the water from underneath, the water that emerged on the surface of the earth was heated by the sun on the other side of the earth where the sun passed overnight. So you see that todot hachamai is problematic. He responded to them, How todot the hot springs of Tveria are not a derivative of the sun. They're not heated by the sun. But they pass by the doorway to Geinom. And that's how they get heated up. Or basically what Rabbi Yossi is suggesting is that the heating of the hot springs has nothing to do with the sun. It's not a derivative of the sun. It's something that comes from eternally in the earth. Therefore, it's not similar to Todot where we can be Matir. Whether it's Todota Ur. If it's Todota Ur, I agree by Todota Ur that it's a sore. And that's why the Anshe Tveria were not allowed to do this. Amar Avchista. Avchista says, Mimase Sha'asu Anshe Tveria. From the case that was relayed in our Mishnah about Anshe Tveria. The Rabbanan said that you're not allowed to do this. It's clear here that when you submerge an item, insulate an item inside of a heat source that actually adds to the heat, even if you do it a film well yom, if you do it by daytime before the onset of Shabbat, it's still problematic, and that's why it's betela. We don't allow you to do this. Tosfot asks a basic question. We have a Mishnah coming up that says that explicitly that one is not allowed to do atmana with the davar mosif hevel, and that sounds like it's also there being be'od yom. So Tosfot draws one distinction between our case over here. It says that our case over here is mi'od yom. The case in the Mishnah later on might have been benesh mashot, and therefore the Mishnah benesh mashot says you can't do it. Over here it says. You can do it because it wears me be'od yom. The mission only asks benesh mashot. This case of Anshay Tiveria comes and asks for us not only benesh mashot, but even me be'od yom. Tosafot has difficulty with that explanation. And then at the end he says something very interesting. He says, When we say that it's betela, it means even with raw meat. We know that we have a dispensation when it comes to Shia, leaving something on the fire going into Shabbat. We know there's a chashash of Shem Yechateh we already said that if you put in a raw piece of meat in there, then your Mesiach died from it. You totally forget about it. You know it's not going to cook until later in the night. Therefore, you won't come to Stoken and it's totally fine. That's only true by Shia. That is not true by Hatmana. And that's what they're saying over here. Betela Hatmana, Betever Mosif Hevel is coming to teach you that even with the dispensations that you have by Shia, they do not apply to Hatmana. And therefore, if you have a raw item that you insulate and cover on all sides with the heat source there, that would be problematic coming into Shabbat, despite the fact that it is a raw piece of meat. And that is said explicitly by the Rabbeinu Tam, 
on Daf Mem Zayin Amud Bet in the Tosafot. He says, "Near Lebeinu Tam Sheish Lechalek Ben Hashal Atmana." You have to distinguish between Shia and Admana. The Vadaida Shaot Mutak Shu Machal Ben Dusai. One can leave it over when it's Machal Ben Dusai. Shein Chitoy Maat Moilo. Because a little stoking on the fire is not going to help it to move along. Shari Migulehu. It's an open fire. It's not the heat intensity is not so high. Vishalit Beavira. Aval Hatmana Shosim Letzorach Machar Hatmana that you're doing for the next day. And it's insulated. The small stoking will have a disproportionate impact. And that's the distinction that's being drawn here. The Mishnah later on says that by Atmana, it's problematic. What are we adding over here? We're adding over here that not only is Atmana problematic, but Atmana, even the dispensations that you have by Shia, is still problematic when it's Mosif Hevel. Because by regular Shia, if you put an item on there that's totally raw, and you're going to stoke it a little bit, it's not going to make a difference. It's waiting till tomorrow to be cooked anyway. And a little stoking will make no impact on the item. But then by Atmana, where it's completely insulated, and you stoke it a little bit, the extra intensity of heat will have impact on it for the next day, and therefore a person might come to be Mechateh de Gechalim by a case of Atmana. And that's what we said over here, Tela Atmana, Bedavra Mosif Evel, Afilu Mibodjom. Either the Chiddush is that even at the daytime, still a sewer, as opposed to the Mishnah there that says it's Venish Mashot, or in the other Chiddush is, that Atmana is a surah, we know that from the Mishnah, but what being taught here is that Atmana doesn't get the dispensations of other things like Shia. Amar Ula Aloha Ka'anche Tveria. Ula says, Aloha is like the people of Tveria, and you could have done this, it was fine what they did. After the Chachamim said it was a surah, they took the whole contraption apart. They dismantled it. So in the end they agreed with the Chachamim. So you can't paskin like Anche Tveria, because Anche Tveria in the end acquiesced to the position of the Chachamim. The Mishnah says that one may not wash in the water. What type of washing are we talking about? If we're talking about cleansing his whole body, washing his whole body, only water that was heated on Shabbat is problematic. On the other hand, if the water was heated before Shabbat, that would be fine. But Anya, we have a bright talk coming up on tomorrow's daf. Hot water that was heated before Shabbat. You're allowed to use on Shabbat to wash your hands, your face, and your feet. But you can't wash your entire body. So it can't be that our Mishnah is suggesting that Rechitza is a surah because the water was heated on Shabbat. But had it been heated before Shabbat, it would have been totally fine. That's not true. It's not totally fine. Elo panav it's saying here that he can wash his hands, his face, and his feet. So, then we can do it the latter half of our Mishnah. They run the water through this pipe. On Yom Tov, it is like, it is similar to water that was heated on Yom Tov itself. And therefore, they are not permitted to be used for washing. And you're allowed to drink it. That would make our Mishnah have to be authored by the position of Beit Shemai, the Tanan. Shemai says you may not heat up hot water on Yom Tov unless you intend to drink them. If you intend to drink them, then you decide to wash your feet with them, that's fine. But you cannot warm up the water, heat the water in order to wash your feet. And that is pointed out by the Ri and Tosavod who says that it's not enough that it's drinkable water. It has to be specifically heated for the purpose of drinking and then you can use it for washing, but otherwise not. Beitileo Matirim. Beitileo says it's fine to wash your feet, your face, and your hands on Yom Tov, even with water that's heated up on Yom Tov. So that would make our Mishnah like Beit Shemayu says, Techamim Shuchuchmu B'Yom Tov. Our Mishnah says, then you can't do Rechitza. 
That means even Rechitzad Yadav Panav Ragalav, and that only follows the position of Beit Shemai. So Maravika Bachananya Lehishta Hetef Ben Kol Gufo Askinan. We're dealing here with washing, but really rinsing his entire body. Rashi over here describes Lehishta Tevesh Notein Al Gufo. He puts it on his body. He's actually more explicit later on in the Masechta on Kufmem Zayin Amudat. Rashi translates Lehishta Tev over there. They're pouring the water onto him, but that's not the normal way that a person bathes or washes themselves. So that's the Ishtatev. So there, Kogufo Askinan, it's his whole body, the high Tanu. And the author of our Mishnah is this Tana, the Tanya, Lo Ishtatev Adam Kogufo Ben Bechamim Ben Mitzonein, Divi Rabbi Meir. person may not rinse his body or have water poured over his whole body, whether it's hot water or whether it's cold water. Divi Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Shiva Matir, Rabbi Shiva says it doesn't matter. Whether it's hot or cold, you can do this, because it's not Rechitza, you can do this Lishtatev. Yudomer, Bechamin Asur, Tzunein, Mutar. When it's hot water, it's Asur. When it's cold water, it's Mutar. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon will be the author of our Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon is Matir, Lishtatev. This is even on Shabbat. So the diuk that you made of the Mishnah before is true. That if you had water that was heated on Shabbat, you may not... You may not use it on Shabbat at all. But if that water was heated up before Shabbat, you're right, you can't do Rechitza Kol Gufo, but what you are allowed to do is Lishtatev. You're allowed to do this rinse or this washing of water poured over you on Shabbat with water that was heated up before Shabbat. And that's what Rabbi Shimon's Matir, he'll be the author of our Mishnah, because now you can make the deal that you wanted out of the ratio of the mitzvah, uh, Mishnah. We're talking about not Panav Yadav not Rechitza Kufo, but this case of Lishtatev. Amar of Chista, Machloket Bikli. Machloket in this Mishnah about on Shabbat, water that was heated up before Shabbat, what can you do with it on Shabbat? That is only true when it's in a utensil. Of If it's in the ground, everybody says it's totally fine to use it. And the reason is that in a kli, it looks like they were heated up today. Whereas in the karka, on the ground, everybody knows they weren't heated up now, and therefore won't be any chashash. The case of Anshet Tveria was in the ground. And the Rabbanan still said it was problematic. If you want to suggest a statement that qualifies this, say this. The Machloket here in this Braito is in a case where the water is found in the ground. But it's in a utensil. Everybody agrees it's a sur because someone who sees the clay is going to think it was heated by a flame on Shabbat. And that we're not going to allow you to do. We're not going to allow you to use it. This Braito is like Rabbi Yehuda. It says with hot water it is problematic, whereas with cold water it's fine. In terms of shituf, if one has the rinse or having the water poured over oneself, that's fine. If it's cold water, it's not fine if it is hot water. Did you hear this directly from Rabbi Yochanan, or did you infer this from another statement of Rabbi Yochanan? My Klala, what other statement or what other principle of Rabbi Yochanan would you derive this from? If you find two Tanaim arguing, and then there is a third Tana who takes the middle position, then the Locha is like the one who takes the middle position. Now Rashi explains why is it called a Machria. Machria means to decide or to, in a scale, weigh one side down. And that's what happens over here. Now in the Mishnah we have a position of Rabbi Meir who says everything's Asur. Rabbi Shimon says everything's Mutar. Ryuta comes along and splits the difference, but in splitting the difference, he does something interesting. Now in hot water, if we say go rinse in hot water or deshtatev in hot water, then you have Rabbi Yehuda saying it's not allowed, and you have Rabbi Meir saying it's not allowed, and Rabbi Shimon saying yes. So you have two against one saying it's not allowed, so we say it's not allowed. On the other hand, if you do it with cold water, Rabbi Yehuda says that's fine. Rabbi Shimon says that's fine. The only one who says it's problematic is Rabbi Meir. Two against one, we're going to say it's fine. And that's why the Machri over here works 
in terms of deciding the halacha, because in being machriya, he makes it two against one. Now Tosafot points out that this idea of machriya is only true when the other two Tanaim state their positions. Which is Rabbi Meir over here says, Ben Bechamim Ben Mitzonein. He says, I understand there might be a reason to differentiate between cold and hot water. Nevertheless, I say my halacha about both of them. And Rabbi Shimon's the other way around. He says that I say my statement even about Chamim Mitzonein. When Rabbi Yudah comes now and splits the difference and says, hot water, I agree with Rabbi Meir, cold water, I agree with Rabbi Shimon, then that's something that was already raised by the other Tanaim. But if you become a middle position or compromised position by assuming or trying to intuit the svara behind the position of the Tana, that doesn't work. The Tana himself has to indicate what their svara is, and then you can be a machriya, you can be an in-between position. So that's what Tosafot points out. So in our case over here, we have Rabbi Yehuda, who's the machriya, and therefore the locha should be like him, chutz mikule matlaniyot. Saw this earlier in Bamim Adukin. The only case where we don't say that is where we had a machlokit over there between Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer. And Rabbi Akiva had a third position, which was a machriya, an in-between position. And there we say the locha is not like Rabbi Akiva. Shafo pishet Rabbi Eliezer machmir, Rabbi Shua mekiyot. Rabbi Eliezer takes the more machmir position. Shua takes the more mekiyot position. Rabbi Akiva machriya. And Rabbi Akiva sits in the middle. This is one of the proofs back then on Chavtet Amaral that Tosafot had a different explanation for what Rabbi Akiva's position was there versus Rashi, because it's clear here the Gemara thinks he's a Machriya, and therefore he has to have relevance to the other two positions that were there. Ain't Allah Machriya. Over here we do not pass an Allah like Rabbi Akiva as the Machriya. Chado, for one reason, the Rabbi Akiva Talmidu. Rabbi Akiva is a student of Rabbi Eliezer, and later on also a student of Rabbi Yeshua. So we're not going to pass him like the Talmud in the face of the Rabbi. Now we do have a principle in the Gemara that Allah Kibatra. The law in general is, like the last person, that is only true, or that principle only comes into effect after Rabba. After the time period of Rabba, then we say, Aloha Kibatra. But before that period of time, if Rabbi gives the Talmud, he has to give deference to Rabbi Elizabeth, Rabbi Shua, and we won't pass him like the Talmud in the face of the Rebbeim. Vaod, and another reason is, Ha'adabe Rabbi Akiva, the Gabi Rabbi Shua. If you remember back in the Gemara, in Bavim Adikin, in the end, Rabbi Akiva changed his mind and agreed with Rabbi Yeshua completely. If this was the reason for it, and this was the inference from this, that should be a perfectly good reason to pass like Rabbi Yehuda over here in our case. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan only said his position, or only made this principle when we were talking about Mishnayot. For time at a bright, I know. In the end, Rabbi Barachan responds to Rabbi Yosef and says, I heard it explicitly from Rabbi Yochanan. And therefore, there is nothing to discuss over here in terms of the veracity of what I said, because it's clear that Rabbi Yochan believes Aloha is like Rabbi Yehuda in this case. Okay, we'll stop over here.